You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. So we are in the middle of the book of the Old Testament, which is called Nehemiah. It's a book that's a few thousand years old, but it's significant. It is an important book. And it tells us that there are two kinds of people in the world. There are people who build things, and there are people who want to destroy things. So there are people who build families, communities, businesses, churches, and ministries. And there are people who seek to destroy all those things. And when those things are broken, we seek to rebuild them. That's where we find ourselves in Nehemiah. God had his people build this great city of Jerusalem, surrounded by walls to protect it. In the center of it was the temple. The temple was a place like church where people would come to worship God. And all of that got destroyed. So they need to rebuild what had previously been built. Their day is much like our day. Sometimes when people come to the Bible, they think, well, that's an old book. Actually, it's not. It's eternal. Tell me if this doesn't sound familiar. Here's the context of Nehemiah 7. Politically, they had a godless government that worked against God's people. Economically, they were facing great upheaval and a downturn. Societally, enemies were surging because they had their walls broken down and people wanted to do them harm. And spiritually, many of God's people had walked away from Bible-believing faith. They didn't really love the Lord. They weren't obeying the Lord. All right, so what are they going to do? They're either going to complain or they're going to change things. That's where we find ourselves politically, economically, culturally, spiritually. And the problem in that day is that it had been 141 years since it was broken. The city walls were broken. The culture was broken. The the government was broken. The temple was broken. It had been 141 years. Nothing changed. And then all of a sudden, God put his hand upon one guy named Nehemiah and raised him up with a vision. So what we're going to look at today is some of the basic biblical principles for leadership and teamwork. Because you see what these people did is not only was it Nehemiah's vision, but then that vision went on to the people. And after 141 years of not making any progress, we learned last week that the city was being rebuilt in just 52 days. The walls were restored. The gates were hung. It was now a protected city again. Now, what I'm not going to do today is go verse by verse through the chapter as I normally do, because there's a long list of names in there. (laughs) You've already had to bear through that when we got to a previous chapter. But what I want to ask is, how did one group of people do something that no one else could for 141 years? How did God's people come together and band together to make a difference in their life And for the legacies of those who would come after them. That's what we're going to look at. 
And I want you to think in terms of how do these principles of unity and teamwork and mission and purpose and value apply to our marriages, our families, how they apply to our businesses, our ministry, our church, wherever you find yourself, where is the difference you can make? So here's how Nehemiah 7 begins. After the wall had been rebuilt and I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed. I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother, Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel. Now, I'm sure that wasn't confusing to call out their names. Hananiah, Hananiah. <laughs> Hananiah and Hananiah. Hananiah was his brother. This is Nehemiah's brother. We first heard of him back in chapter one. I think it was verse two that he has mentioned. You see, Nehemiah needed to trust someone. He had lots of oppositions, lots of opposition, enemies, critics, fake news, smear campaigns, legal threats. He needs someone he can trust. And what he determines is I can trust my brother. He loves the Lord and he loves me. I can trust him. And then he tells us that Hananiah is the commander of the citadel. But he goes on to say more of why he could trust and choose Hananiah. He says this, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. He was faithful and he feared God. Those are the most important criteria for senior leadership. Hananiah is mentioned as early as chapter three. He's been in this ministry serving faithfully for a long time, maybe from the beginning. And what does it mean to fear God in the capacity of a leader? When he goes to make a decision, he does what's right in the eyes of God. If he's going to give you his word, he, you can count on him to see it through to completion. How many of you are business owners or leaders in different aspects of influence. And it's hard to find those kind of people that will do right in God's sight and do what they say they're going to do. Nehemiah continues. I said to them, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. While the gatekeepers are still on duty, have them shut the doors and bar them. Also appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards, some at their posts and some near their houses. Now the city was large and spacious, but there were very few people in it. And the houses had not yet been rebuilt. So my God put it into my heart. So the question I want to ask you is what has God put into your heart what is the burden that you have? What is the need that you are burdened for? So God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles. These are the people with money and power. You know, think of me. The <laughs> officials, those who have governing authority, think of me. And the common people. Okay, that's you. For registration by families, they are mentioned. 
according to their family, ancestry, and history, they're grouped. I found the ge genealogical record of those who had been the first to return, you know, from Babylonian captivity back to Israel. This is what I found written there. These are the people of the province who came up from the captivity of the exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken captive. So 141 years earlier, the Babylonian king invaded them, destroyed the city they had built, and scattered God's people across the Persian Empire. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, the, the larger region in which Jerusalem sits. Each to his own town. Now that's through verse 6. We're going to skip all the way to verse 66. I just spared you 60 verses of Hebrew names. You're welcome. <laughs> the whole company numbered 42,360 besides their 3,737 male and female slaves. Here's the big idea. Before we can have change, there needs to be a place for people to gather so that God can change them. So what it says here is that they rebuilt the city walls. They hung the gates. They were getting ready to reopen the temple. And there was a lot of land, but not a lot of people. But the people were coming. This is not unlike our day right here in Union County, there's a lot of land that's turning into housing. And there's a lot of people that are coming. Everywhere you go, it seems like a new subdivision is getting started. Nehemiah says that what God put in his heart was to build the city and a church for God's people. What has God burdened you to build or rebuild? Is it a business? Is it something for the community? Is it a family? Is it something for your grandkids? Is it a ministry? Is it this church? What has God burdened you with to build or rebuild? Every one of us has a sphere of influence that God has entrusted to us. And in that area, we need to seek God's will for what our burden is and how we can see it bless others and advance what God is doing in the world. And what we see here in chapter 7, Nehemiah is to steward or manage a lot of things. It mentions walls, doors, gates, houses. And if you keep reading, it also mentions horses, mules, camels, donkeys, gold, silver, garments. A lot of things to manage. In addition, there are a lot of people to manage. Roughly 50,000 people were named by family, origin, household. The point is this. If you're going to lead in business, if you're going to lead in politics, if you're going to lead your family, if you're going to lead in church or ministry, you need to steward things and people. Think in your life right now. All the things that God has given you to steward where you live, what you drive, what you wear, what you make. See, we read this and we think, oh, this is really weird. Why are they talking about camels and horses and mules? Because they need to make provisions for all of it. 
in the same way. It's just getting a plan to welcome as many people as possible. What are the things that God has called you to steward? And then who are the people that God has called you to steward? And in Nehemiah, it mentions these people by name. Now, how many of you are better at stewarding things? You're good at real estate, budgets, timelines, schedules, logistics. How many of you, that's you. You, you know that you like things organized. You want to raise your hand. <laughs> how many of you, you're better with people? Like you're not good with math, but you're good with people. You can't find your car keys, but if somebody's crying, you're going to give them a hug. That's you. So the way this works oftentimes is it's those people work well together. Some people are better with things. Some people are better with people. And in every position of leadership, this can be a family, a business, a ministry, whatever God has entrusted to you, you have to think, am I better at leading and managing and stewarding things or people? And if I'm weak in one area, I can grow to be strong in that area, or I can find somebody else that's strong in that area to compliment me. And what happens in Nehemiah 7 is you're starting to see people come to the city and come into the ministry. Back to our day and time. You need to know this. Union County is tied for the 14th fastest growing county in North Carolina. That's out of 100 counties. And that data is from July 2022. Since then, we have seen dozens of subdivisions with hundreds of homes in each get started. A lot of people are coming to our area. And we want to love them and we want to welcome them. And so as they were coming, God's people were trying to determine, okay, how do we best prepare to welcome these people to our city and to our church? And what I would say is every organization, be it a business, be it a ministry, be it a church, needs to be whatever God calls it to be. So my question for you today is, what has God called Benton Heights Presbyterian to be? The answer the same as every other Christian church, to be light in the darkness, to be an outpost of God's kingdom here on earth, to be a disciple-making body primarily concerned with sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. In April of this year, Larry Schmidt, Sarah Brady, and I attended our denomination's presbytery meeting it's a geographical area that represents several dozen EPC churches in our area. And at that meeting, we had the privilege of hearing from Dr. Paul Borden, an expert in church transformation and revitalization. His introduction to the topic was at first very encouraging. He said, Christianity is the largest faith group in the world. And since World War II, Christianity is the fastest growing faith group in the world. And you know where? In Africa, China, India, Latin America, and in the underground movement. That is places where Christianity is illegal. And this may blow you away. In China and in Latin America, 30,000 
new disciples every day. That was about the extent of the encouraging news for us because you know where Christianity is not growing in Europe, in Australia, New Zealand, and in North America. In fact, in the U.S., over the last couple decades, there is a great decline in the number of churches. There is a decline in the number of young people in congregations. There is a decline in people identifying with Christianity. Dr. Borden continued, you know the reason for the current situation in the U.S.? is because the church of Jesus Christ is no longer on mission. And why is this important? Because to this we have been called. We refer to it as the Great Commission. It's Jesus' own mandate recorded in the Gospel of Matthew in the 28th chapter. You're probably very familiar with it, but here it is again. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Make disciples. This means introducing people to Jesus developing them as disciples to follow Jesus and then helping them reproduce new followers of Jesus. And only about 10% of churches in the U.S. are truly doing this. Needless to say, Larry and Sarah and I felt that this was vital, that our session, our elders, hear and experience this. What has followed since April is our entire session, the 12 elders and myself, have viewed all five videos that Dr. Borden had produced that detail more of the problem and more importantly, some solutions. So I asked the question again, why is this important? I mean, can't we just continue to do church like we've been doing for the next 20 years? Is it really that we're going to die out as a congregation if we... Don't do anything different. You know, we probably could keep doing church like we're doing, like we are right now, without any changes, without any challenges. We're making a difference to some. But here's the thing. If we're not living from Jesus' mandate to make new converts, we are a disobedient church, plain and simple. Now, here's what I would say about Benton Heights Presbyterian. We are really good at living out the great commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. To love your neighbor as yourself. The two greatest commandments that Jesus gives. We're really good at living that out. I mean, to love God. That's why we engage in Bible studies and Sunday school classes and have ministries for all involved, men, women, youth, children. To love God, we're living that out by showing up week in, week out here on Sundays to worship and then loving our neighbors. That's us hosting the food pantry every Monday night, participating in the Christmas child shoeboxes. It's outreach to West Virginia as we do and many other projects. We're really good at the great commandment. 
but we've not been faithful to living out the Great Commission. Here's how we know. If I were to ask you what you believe the church is for, most Christians answer, for me. Church is for me. It's not. You know what the church is for? It's to make more disciples. Our own denomination's constitution says this. It is the primary responsibility, primary mission of the local church to evangelize, making disciples by extending the gospel both at home and abroad, leading others to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, that's not to say that the church isn't also for you. You are supposed to get something out of church. What we do at church helps you grow in your relationship with the Lord Jesus. That's why you're a believer and what we get as believers from this church. It's called discipleship. But the church is also for the non-believer. It's for the people who aren't here yet. So how do we make that happen? It's about being intentional. Is it going to be easy? No. Might it be a little uncomfortable and challenging? Absolutely. You're like, okay, Paul, bottom line this for us. What are you talking about here? What are you asking us to do? Well, first and foremost, it's not what I'm asking. In the session, all 13 of us, although we've had complete buy-in, it's not about what the session wants. It's what God wants. So here's what we have concluded. Every group within our church will look to establish at least three events over the course of 2024. And those three events must be outward focused. In other words, not just for us. And evangelistic, meaning they are for people who are not yet churched, not yet disciples, not yet followers of Jesus Christ. So what groups are we talking about in the church? Every group. The men's fellowship, the women's circle, the youth, the choir, the praise team, every Sunday school class, every Bible study group. Three events in the span of 12 months, outward focused, evangelistic, three events in all of 2024 to reach the unchurched. And since the elders, at least the current elders, have viewed all of these training videos, they are involved in every aspect of the church's life, they will help each group come up with ideas. And let me say this, it's not about numbers. It's not about padding church membership statistics. It's not even about Benton Heights Presbyterian. It's about people that are loved by God who come to acknowledge and experience God's love through you. The point of this, every organization goes through maturing and it's growing, it's changing. And the key is just to allow it to be whatever God destines and determines it to be. In Nehemiah 7, what we're seeing is that the leadership is growing the levels of organization are expanding. The expenses are exploding and the complexity is elevating. But it's a good thing because it means more people are going to be welcomed to the city, welcomed to the church, and welcomed to the Lord. And you want to know why almost 50,000 people were named 
It's because God loves them all. God loves everyone. Now, that doesn't mean that God agrees with what everyone is doing. It doesn't mean that he approves of what everyone is doing, but everyone matters to God. And so God names these people because God knows our name. And let me say this, God knows your name. God doesn't just look on a sea of faces in humanity. He knows people by name. In Isaiah 43, 1, the Lord says, I have called you by name. You are mine. Our God is not only incredibly magnificent, he's incredibly personal. God knows you. God loves you. He calls you by name to be in a relationship with him, and then he shares his name with you. The name Christian was originally given by our critics and enemies in Acts 11. They use it as a derogatory term to mock us. Oh, you're a Christian? You're, you're trying to be like Jesus? And we're like, heck yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to be. Thank you for noticing. And so not only does God give us his name, he knows us by name. He calls us by name. And let me tell you why. We'll go through all the effort to serve people who don't yet know Jesus. Here's the big idea. It's all about Jesus. And that's the big idea about Nehemiah. You read this book and you're like, okay, what's the big deal? Because they're wanting to see Jesus come. The whole point of Jerusalem was to be the headquarters for ministry that God would come to Jerusalem as Jesus Christ. That the temple would be open and Jesus would fulfill all the sacrifices that were sinners to be forgiven. That he would be the very presence of God. That he would be the priest to mediate between us and God. Jesus Christ is coming to this place for these people. He is God become a man. He passes through these gates. He passes through these walls. He passes through these doors. He comes to his temple and he is the God they are waiting for. The whole point of human history is Jesus Christ. The big idea of the entire Bible is Jesus Christ. The Bible has lots of stories, but they're all part of the big story it's about Jesus Christ. And so people make sacrifices and they take risks and they give generously and they serve wholeheartedly because they want people to meet Jesus. Jesus has changed their life and they want others to see life change through Jesus Christ. The whole point of Nehemiah's ministry is that Jesus would eventually come and people would love Jesus. Jesus whole point of our ministry is that Jesus would come again and that people would love Jesus because Jesus loves people. There is a God. His name is Jesus Christ. There is forgiveness of sin. His name is Jesus Christ. There is hope for your future. His name is Jesus Christ. There is healing for your marriage. His name is Jesus Christ. There is hope for the nations. His name is Jesus Christ. And he loves you and he knows you 
And if you don't know him, right now he's calling you into a relationship with him. And he wants to forgive you. He wants to embrace you. He wants to love you. He wants to change you. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never lie to you nor betray you. Here we are thousands of years later worshiping the same God. And the Christian church is the biggest movement of any kind in the history of the world. Nations come and go. The Persian Empire came and went. Kings and kingdoms come and go. But the king of kings, he rules and he reigns forever. We would invite you to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ. We would invite you into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We would tell you that your answers are found in Jesus Christ. And it's simply recognizing that you and I are the problem and he is the solution. And the whole reason we're here is because we are sinners and he is our savior. If you've never done this before, you can receive Jesus Christ right now. Even if you grew up in church, maybe you've been in church most of your life, but have you really surrendered your life to Jesus? Knowing that he died on the cross in your place for your sins, but that he's not still dead. If that's you right now, you can pray this prayer just in the quiet of your hearts. As we pray together, you can repeat this prayer. Let's pray. Dear God, I know that I am a sinner. I want to turn from my sins and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe he died for my sins and that you raised him to life. I want to come and bring him into my heart. I want him to come to take control of my life. I want to trust Jesus as my Savior and follow him as my Lord from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.